stay up to date and engage with the financial world. You're listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. Twitter and Elon Musk are locked in a high-stakes battle, with tens of billions of dollars on the line. Twitter wants Musk to buy the company for the $44 billion that he originally offered, but Musk wants to pull out of the deal. He's alleging that Twitter has essentially lied about its fake accounts problem and inhibited Musk from independently investigating the issue, thereby voiding the merger agreement. Now the deal has ended up in court, as many people originally predicted it would. Interestingly, despite Twitter initially resisting Musk's takeover bid in the early days, they now seem obsessed with making sure the deal goes through. And by analyzing the truth about Twitter's business, we can see why the deal would be so favorable for Twitter, and thus unfavorable for Musk. In this video, or podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're going to discuss the core of how Twitter makes money, and why they have so much to lose if Musk successfully pulls out of the deal. To understand why Twitter wants the deal to go through so badly, we first have to understand the company's core business model and how they make money. Twitter was founded over 15 years ago in 2006, and for its entire history, the company has been an ad-supported product. That means that the only way for Twitter to make a profit is by having real people use the platform and showing them advertisements. No one pays Twitter directly for their main product since anyone can use Twitter for free. Instead, if you are a Twitter user, from a business perspective, you are the product. Twitter sells advertisements via three main products, promoted ads, follower ads, and Twitter takeover. Promoted ads is the main advertising product and consists of ads that are labeled as promoted and appear within Twitter timelines, search results, profile pages, etc. Twitter uses their own methodologies and user data to help advertisers target users who are most likely to engage with their advertisements. For example, a promoted ad for a woman's clothing brand might target the optimal demographics or geographies for selling that specific type of product. Follower ads, the second advertising product, are essentially Twitter accounts that advertisers pay to have promoted on the platform. Follower ads are a way for businesses to engage potential customers by attracting followers for their actual Twitter accounts. And finally, Twitter Takeover is an ad that appears at the top of Twitter's list of trending topics for an entire day at a time in a particular region. Advertisers can buy a Twitter Takeover ad for a set amount of money based on the location and number of days. For promoted ads, advertisers can choose to pay for performance, in other words, per click or other user engagement event, or they can pay for each time an ad is shown to a user. For follower ads, the only option is pay for performance. Most other advertising platforms, including Google and Facebook ads, offer the same basic type of advertising model. Twitter is obviously a massive platform with huge reach globally. Every single time an ad is shown to a Twitter user is an opportunity for Twitter to make several dollars in revenue from the advertiser. So while Twitter and other advertising platforms do not sell what you would traditionally think of as a profitable product, the sheer volume of ads that they sell means their revenue potential is enormous. Twitter and other online platforms are also still benefiting from the growth of the internet and increasing global engagement. However, Twitter has actually been falling behind on that front. The platform's monetizable daily active users, or MDAOs, which you can think of as a measure of how many potentially profitable users there are for Twitter to show ads to, has been growing steadily over the past several years. In early 2018, Twitter had about 120 million MDAOs, by mid-2020, that had grown to about 180 million, and today the number stands at about 238 million. On the surface, that growth seems pretty impressive, but there's one fatal problem. The growth rate has hit a wall and actually gotten down since the pandemic first hit. From 2018 through to the beginning of 2020, the typical growth rate increased to a peak of about 12% per quarter. Since then, though, the quarterly growth rate has never even reached half of that peak, 
and is usually around just 3% in most quarters. That's a huge problem for Twitter. A big part of the reason why tech companies like Twitter get such large market multiples on sales is because of the expectation of continued growth. At its peak just last year, Twitter had a $60 billion market value, putting it at about 15 times 2020 revenue. In comparison, the typical price-to-earnings ratio of the S&P 500 is also about 15. But Twitter doesn't even have a price-to-earnings ratio, because it doesn't make consistent profits. Last year, for example, the company reported a $220 million net loss. And in 2020, the loss was over a billion. So if the market loses faith that Twitter continue to grow daily active users and revenue, there will be nothing left supporting the stock price. Its competitors like Facebook are continuing to enjoy accelerating revenue, while at the same time printing cash profits. Meta Platforms, for example, makes about $10 billion in net profits every quarter. So even if their revenue growth decelerates, the value of its highly profitable business would serve to support the stock. For those reasons, the likes of Google and Facebook have seen their stocks skyrocket to trillion-dollar market values, while Twitter never rose above $60 billion. On top of Twitter's revenue growth and profitability woes, there's also another issue that could prove to be fatal to its business prospects. And that's the issue of what really is a monetizable daily active user, and how many of Twitter's reported figures are actually just fake accounts. Deep in their financial filings and annual reports, Twitter gives a description of the potential inaccuracies in its own reported MDAO numbers. In their own words, they quote, rely on assumptions and estimates to calculate certain of our key metrics, and real or perceived inaccuracies in such metrics may harm our reputation and negatively affect our business, unquote. They then go on to say that they, quote, calculate their MDAO using internal company data that has not been independently verified. We estimate that the average of false or spam accounts during the fourth quarter of 2021 continued to represent fewer than 5% of our MDAOs during the quarter. However, this estimate is based on an internal review of a sample of accounts, and we apply significant judgment in making this determination. As such, our estimation of false or spam accounts may not accurately represent the actual number of such accounts, unquote. We've all encountered spam or fake accounts, whether it be accounts run by bots by companies in order to promote their products, or bots set up by scammers trying to find a vulnerable Twitter user to victimize. It's not hard to imagine that with countless scammers in the world constantly making new spam accounts, that a potentially significant portion of Twitter accounts could actually be such spam accounts. Some independent sources have estimated that as much as 20% of all Twitter accounts are fake. But why does this matter? Why would the number of spam accounts be so important to Twitter? And why are they so specific to claim that only less than 5% of their users are fake accounts? Their own explanation is as follows. If advertisers, content or platform partners, or investors do not perceive our metrics to be accurate representations of our total accounts or MDAO engagement, or if we discover material inaccuracies in our metrics, our reputation may be harmed and content partners, advertisers, and platform partners may be less willing to allocate their budgets or resources to our products and services." Unquote. To put it simply, advertisers don't want to incinerate money with Twitter ads if they're just going to be shown to bots, not actual humans. And this is a sticking point that Elon Musk has cited in his attempt to get out of the Twitter deal. According to Musk's legal team, Twitter has not provided sufficient data in a timely manner to Musk's team in order for them to be able to determine their own estimate of Twitter's fake accounts. They claim that the fake accounts issue is a potentially serious enough issue to significantly affect the value of the company. If that's the case, they say that that makes the original merger agreement void because it was signed under false pretext. There's also speculation by many that Musk just has buyer's remorse. Since the deal was announced in April, social media stocks in particular have done very poorly, on the back of some disappointing data from the earnings results of companies like Facebook and Pinterest. The SOCL social media ETF is down over 25% since April. 
In contrast, Twitter's stock is about flat from where it was right before the deal was announced. If Musk hadn't bid to buy Twitter, it's very conceivable that the current share price would be down in line with other social media stocks, potentially as low as $25 per share. That would be less than half of the $54.20 that Musk agreed to pay for the company. But regardless of the true reason that Musk wants out of the deal, it can't be denied that Twitter really wants the deal to go through. They recently sued Elon Musk to complete the deal and positioned for an accelerated trial. They seem to know that the $44 billion buyout price is shareholders' best chance of getting value out of their shares. And by analyzing the numbers, we can see just how much Twitter shareholders need the deal to go through. We modeled Twitter's financials to estimate the fair value of the company. Over the past couple years, the company has grown its monetizable daily active usage by about 3% per quarter, but that growth seems to have been slowing since 2019. We'll assume that the company still has some growth left in it, and is able to grow at that same rate for the next two years, followed by another two years of 2% growth per quarter, and then goes down to growing 1% per quarter in perpetuity from that point onward. The company currently generates about $5 of revenue per MDAO, which we will assume will stay the same. Twitter has not been able to become profitable on their revenue since the company was founded, but we'll give them the benefit of doubt and assume that for every dollar of revenue growth, they'll be able to convert 50 cents to profit as a benefit from operating leverage. At a reasonable discount rate of 10%, that gives the present value of the company based on its discounted future cash flows of about $20 billion. The current market cap is about 50% higher than that, implying that the company is overvalued based on our simplifying assumptions. Even if Twitter stock were to have gone down in line with other social media companies since the Musk deal was announced, it would still be slightly overvalued. On the other hand, Musk's $54.20 per share buyout offer would give shareholders a valuation of more than double what we just calculated. If Twitter can close that deal, they can finally give shareholders the return they've always promised and put to bed the controversy about fake accounts. Twitter's board knows this, and Elon Musk does too. If they can't get this deal done, Twitter's stock price may never reach $54.20 per share again, and very well might go down another 25% to join its social media peers. You've been listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. Don't miss a minute wherever you go. Wall Street Millennial, signing out.